welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Because I want to have an opportunity for us all to act on the word that we hear, right? Faith requires some action sometimes, doesn't it? No? Faith requires action almost all the time. When you hear the Lord say something to you, you need to respond in some way. And so we're going to take up the offering at the end so that we can respond um, to what we hear today. So, like, what? Oh, I thought you were going to do that one. I thought, oh, come on. Come on. I have a phrase in our family, I'm like, nothing's awkward, so if nothing's awkward, nothing can be awkward, but that was kind of awkward, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Let's I be honest. Let's just stand up for a minute. I just, I just have to do something that's just been in my spirit. It's been in my spirit all week, really strong in my spirit this morning, and because I know what he's preaching about, I know there won't be any opportunity to do this at the end, so... Um, John 10.10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Then what did Jesus say? I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I heard it once said that the two most important days in your life are, number one, the day you were born, the second being the day that you figured out why. The enemy, I don't think, is as concerned about the day that you were born, although he is concerned, as we can see that through abortion and what's taking place, and thank God for breakthrough in the name of Jesus. But he's really concerned about you waking up on that day when you discover why you are here. He does not want you to know that you have been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. And I have been mindful this week, as I have been my entire life, and you guys have heard some of my testimony, but very mindful this week that the enemy is pounding people. He's pounding people, and he's pounding people, and he's pounding people. People dealing with depression, people dealing with oppression, people dealing with discouragement, uncommon, okay? Have you, if, and you don't have to raise your hand, have you been dealing with uncommon depression? Have you been dealing with uncommon defeat? Have you been dealing with uncommon discouragement? Have you been dealing with thoughts of suicide? Have you? Have you? Parents, have you been hearing about this stuff in your home? Maybe a little bit more in the past few weeks than before. I want to pray this morning. I want to pray this morning because I know the end of the story that the enemy is defeated by the power of the name of Jesus. I was inspired by a story that I heard on a podcast from my friend preaching, and he was sharing about this story about how there was this woman in the, in the southern states, and her daughter was dealing with epilepsy. So she asked the pastor if he would come in and pray for Um, her daughter. So we went to her house to pray for the daughter, and he said, you know what, actually, I just heard the Spirit of God say this. I'm not supposed to pray for your daughter. You're supposed to say this. And she said this, or he said, you're supposed to say this. I'm walking in the love of God now. Satan, take your hands off my family. (sighs) And I've been sitting with this all week. 
I've been sitting this in my car all week. I'm walking in the love of God now. Satan, you can take your hands off my family. So the mom said it. She said, I'm walking in the love of God now. Satan, you take your hands off my family. You take my, your hands off my child right now in the name of Jesus. You know what happened? The epileptic seizure stopped. So years, years later, the pastor saw her, and he said, how are the seizures? She said, they're gone, except for this one time when the seizures started tuning up. And she said, I'm walking in the love of God now. Satan, you take your hands off my family. And that young girl never had another epileptic seizure again. The two most important days in your life, the day you were born and the day that you discovered why. Church, hear me out. We have no time to not be walking in unforgiveness. Let it go. Let it go today. Let it go today in the name of Jesus. It's not worth it. At the end of your life, are you going to be glad that you held on to that grudge, held on to that whatever? You are not going to be glad. It's a time to walk in reconciliation. It's a, it's a time to believe for restoration. It's a time to walk in the love of God like never before. See, we call on like, Lord, send revival. Lord, would you heal me? Lord, would you bless me? How about, Lord, I forgive. Lord, I repent. Lord, I choose to walk in love. Have you been dealing with uncommon depression? Have you been dealing with strife in your household? Have you been dealing with strife in your marriage? Have you been dealing with thoughts of suicide? Have you been having night terrors in the night? Have you not been able to sleep? Have you been dealing with addiction? Have you been dealing with the fallout of abuse? If, if that's you, lift your hand up today. Shove, have you been dealing with stuff? Just close your eyes in this holy moment. This was the unction I felt in my spirit this morning that we will pray. But I'm not going to pray a prayer per se. We're going to say, I'm walking in love now. Satan, you take your hands off my life. Let's say it together. I'm walking in love now. Satan, you take your hands off my life. Say it again. I'm walking in love now. Satan, you take your hands off my life. Parents, every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to say, I'm walking in love now. Satan, you take your hands off my family. I'm walking in love now. Satan, you can take your hands off my family. Say it like you mean it. I'm walking in love now. Satan, you take your hands off. One more time. I'm walking in love now. Satan, you take your hands off my family. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every spirit must bow at the mention of the name of Jesus. There's authority in that name. But there's authority, church, when you walk in love. Because walking in love will crush you and it will cost you everything. But that death in you produces the life of Jesus Christ. May we walk out of this place and remember this. These are important times that we live in. So when we're singing songs like, Lord, send revival, Lord, send it now.
Lord, start with my heart. <laughs> Lord, teach me to love. Love like you love. Love that doesn't run out like human love, but a love that goes on and on and doesn't quit. This has nothing to do with the message today, but I believe it has everything to do with what God is wanting to do. I say where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is liberty in your life, in your heart, in your mind. There's peace in your mind today. There's peace in your heart. There's peace in your marriage. There's peace in your home. There's peace in your children. Great is their peace and their undisturbed composure. There's healing and, and health in your life. In the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. amen. You might be visiting today and you say, well, that was weird. Don't usually do stuff like that in church. Well, you know what? I was really inspired by the words of Jesus as we watched, right, on Monday night, which has just concluded The Chosen, and Jesus said this. He said, get used to different. <laughs> get used to different, church. Why don't you go ahead and sit down? And let's take a second and let's just pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you are the name that is above every other name. That there is power in the name of Jesus. That there is healing, that there is life, that there is restoration. Father, we thank you that by your might and by your strength, you are breaking off the chains and the lies of the enemies. I speak restoration and reconciliation in Jesus' name. I speak life and healing into hearts and minds, wounds that are restored and healed. Father, we thank you that you're doing a work that only you can do, Jesus, bringing life and healing to your people, to your nation, and to your world, that we may give you glory and that when people see us and see our lives restored and repaired because of the work that you've done inside of us, that you receive the glory and the praise. Jesus, we love you. We say, have your way. Continue to have your way this morning. Open our hearts and our ears to receive your truth and your life. In your son's mighty name we pray. And we all said, amen. amen. So. So, let's go back to 10 minutes ago. Last week, we were talking about two economies. And we're going to continue talking about it this week because I don't want to take you somewhere and then leave you paused halfway through and you say, well, how are we supposed to uh, move on from what we talked about last week? Last week, we talked about how there's two economies, the economy of the world and the economy of heaven. We talked a little bit about how um, the world is going crazy right now. Interest rates, uh, the housing market, gas prices, grocery prices. Everything is in flux and it's up and down and people are worried about it. And I'm going to give you a quick recap because there was enough of us that weren't here last week that if I just jump in today, you'll probably say, what is he talking about? So I want to make sure we're all on the same page and we all remember last week we talked about money has a voice. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to the message. But we talked about how money has a voice. Money speaks to you. And you got to be careful not to listen to the voice of money louder than you listen to the voice of God in your life. We talked about how um, the kingdom of heaven is counterculture 
to the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of heaven, when you get saved, when you give your life to Jesus, you move from the, the Bible says, you move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves. You move into the kingdom of light. And you've moved into a new kingdom. And when you move into that new kingdom, there's a new culture to it. There's a new way of living. There's a new way of thinking. There's a new way of doing things. And you can no longer live your life after the patterns that you used to live. You're changed. You're a new person. Actually, that's part of what being water baptized represents. Your old man dies, goes under the water. You are buried with Christ, and you come up a new person, a new creation in Christ. So the kingdom of this world is counter culture to the kingdom of or the kingdom you know what I'm trying to say the world and heaven different cultures <laughs> let me say this while I'm talking about it do not don't just don't do it don't have a both and uh, foot in both worlds it doesn't work you can't straddle world and you can't straddle heaven it, it doesn't end up well for anybody it brings confusion it brings hurt it allows things into your life that shouldn't be there, that cause pains. Move into the kingdom of life. Amen? Yeah. We're having fun already. We're having fun already. Just, just you wait. Uh, and we talked about how the way forward, moving into the kingdom of God, the way forward is always found in Christ. Matthew 6, we looked at this. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things you have need of will be added unto you, right? And I love, we, we had a preacher friend that used to say that word kingdom refers to the king and his dominion, all right? So seek first the king and his dominion. So you have a master. His name is Jesus Christ. When you got saved, you gave your life to Jesus. Your life, ain't your own, your life isn't your own anymore. Sorry. Your life is now Jesus's. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. And when you give your life to Jesus, that means he's your master, and so you got to seek his will. you got to seek his purposes. you got to seek his plans for your life, the king and his dominion. So you move into that kingdom, and you say, my life is yours now. You do what you want in my life. You lead me where you want to lead me. You take me where you want to take me. You say to me what you want to say to me. Don't worry about hurting my feelings. Jesus, just speak the truth to me because all I want is you, your ways, and your life. Can I get an Amen. I want to tell you this, too. I was, oh, my goodness. Can we just pause for a second? I don't know if any of you noticed this. During worship, the second song, my pick went flying, and I lost my pick. And for one whole song, I played with my fingers. And I could not find my pick for the life of me. That's why I left the stage to go find a new pick. And here's my pick right here. I don't know how in the world it got all the way over here. <laughs> Well, praise the Lord for small miracles. We just all needed to laugh for a second, I think. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about this. This morning, uh, right now, we're living in a house out in Greendale, and we literally have a cornfield like 60 feet. Excuse, excuse me, did I say that when you got up to speak? <laughs> I let you get up here and say <laughs> We got to go. No, I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about that. Just let me talk. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I went outside, and I was standing there with my cup of coffee, and I was standing there on the porch staring at the cornfield, and I asked the Lord, I was like, you know, because I got some points that we're going to work our way through this morning if I ever quit rambling, but we're going to get there. And I said, you know, Lord, what is, what is the one thought 
that you want me to really hammer home so that everybody takes away, so they all get, so they all understand. And so last week and this week, what we've been talking about is there is two economies. And the Lord doesn't want us afraid living in the economy of the world. Listen, the economy of the world, you can't count on it. It will crash. It has crashed. It has a proven track record of letting people down. Doesn't it? But the Lord said, my economy and my way of doing things never fails. It has never crashed. I was looking at this cornfield. He said, look at this corn. He said, this corn has never failed to reproduce after its kind. It's always putting out more corn. And they take it every year, every year. If you live in Chilliwack or anywhere, like we got a lot of corn in Chilliwack. And you can drive around every summer. And every summer, there's more corn. There's everywhere you look, it's corn. It's corn bonanza. There's corn everywhere. And he says, my seed, my word, my economy never fails to do what it's promised to do. And I thought about that for a second. And I thought about, you, you go back to the very beginning of the word of God. When the heavens and the earth was formed, generation upon generation upon generation just back it up all the way back to the very beginning and the first thing the lord said was he made the heavens and the earth he spoke it into existence and then he says here's some plants on the earth and you guys your job is to reproduce after its own kind then he put animals in the ocean he said your job is to reproduce after its own kind and then he puts fruit and vegetables on the planet. He said, your job is to continue to reproduce after it's so kind. Let me tell you this, so you don't forget it. God's economy will never fail. His seed and seed that you sow into the kingdom of God will never fail you. So you don't have to worry about the economy of the world. You don't have to worry about Canada's government crashing our economy, giving all of our money away during COVID and then wanting it all back. And everybody's like, ah, what do I do? And they jack up the interest rates on the house and the housing markets go crazy. And you say to yourself, oh my gosh, I can never afford house here. I can't even afford gas. I don't know what to do. You don't have to be afraid of that because you got to put your trust in the, the economy of heaven. So that's our recap from last week. <laughs> hey guys, here's my guitar pick. I found it. Surprise. So we're talking about two economies. Today I'm calling this message Moving On Up. Who remembers the Jeffersons? Some people. <laughs> well, the Jeffersons had a theme song, and the theme song said Moving On Up. Moving on up to the east side. To that deluxe apartment in the sky. That's, that's all I know about the Jeffersons. Did you say I just failed my audition? Nope, I'm the pastor. I'm going to sing on the worship team if I want to. You can't stop me. Everybody else has to suffer for it too. So today I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three practical steps on how to move from the economy of the world into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, we're going to talk about three different things that you have to know, that you have to understand. Last week we talked about how, you know, money has a voice. We talked about how we need to be in the economy of heaven. We talked about that there is an economy of heaven. This week I want to talk for a few minutes about how to move, how to move from the economy that you live in, the economy of the world, into the economy of heaven. Now here's the thing, I was thinking about this, and if you went to any other country, uh, if you went anywhere else, you move into a new economy. 
right? If you go to America, you got to have different money. If you go to Belgium, you have to have whatever they use over there. If you go to Africa somewhere, you've got to use the economy they have over there. And we do that naturally. In our natural world, we think that's the normal thing to do. Like how many of you have gone on a trip somewhere overseas around the world, and before you left town, you went to the bank or you went to the kiosk at the airport, and you exchanged your money, you exchanged the economy that you're used to for a new economy. Who's done that? Yes, we all have, haven't we? And if you haven't, you've paid crazy exchange rates somewhere when you got to where you were going. And so we do that naturally, but we need to think about spiritually moving from the economy of the world where we put our trust, we put our faith, we think about this economy a lot. And in fact, we looked at in Matthew chapter 6 last week, one of the last things that Jesus said was, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers about where they're going to live, where they're going to sleep, and what they're going to wear, right? And said that it dominates their thoughts. We don't want to be people who are dominated by material things, do we? I feel like many of you just answered, you shook your head no because you're like, I know he wants me to say no, no. No, we should say no to this. I know we should say no to this, but really, like, I do think about this a lot. We have to move from the economy of this world into the economy of heaven. So there's three things I want to talk about about this this morning with you. So the first thing I want you to understand is this. You need to have an understanding to move from the economy of the world into the economy of heaven. You need to have an understanding that the kingdom of heaven is built on generosity and selflessness. This is, the, this is the economy of heaven. Generosity and selflessness. We're going to look at some scriptures here to back this up, but you need to understand that. And so what has to happen inside of you to move from the kingdom of this world, the economy of this world, into the economy of heaven? If, if the economy of heaven is built on generosity and selflessness, guess what that means? It means that you have to become generous and selfless. I don't want to want to be generous. I don't want to be selfless. I want to be selfish. Listen, the economy of this world tells you to be selfish, doesn't it? The economy of this world tells you to, to store up your money for yourself. The economy of this world tells you to save it all. Don't give it away. This is mine and nobody else's. In the kingdom of heaven, it's the complete opposite where you are called to give things away, where you are called to think about others. John 3.16, how about that? John 3, 16. Open your Bibles there with me if you got them. John chapter 3, verse 16. It says what? For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved that he did what? He gave his one and only. His one and only. His one and only. If you had a one and only, is your first instinct to give it or to save it? That's my last piece of gum. I can't give it to you. How many times have we said that? You're at church, and someone's like, hey, man, I have coffee breath. Can I have your gum? No, that's my last piece of gum. If I give it to you, then I don't have any more gum for me. You're already chewing a piece of gum, and my breath smells like coffee. That's your problem. This is my emergency piece. I have an emergency piece. This is for me. You can't have it. No, see, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the economy of heaven is built on generosity. God loved you so much. God loved your neighbor that you don't like. God loved your friends in the past. God loved everybody you can think of so much that he gave his one and only son. The economy of heaven is built on generosity and selflessness. In fact, did you know that one of the names of God is provider? 
Well, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, Jaden, can you put that up on the screen? There's a great story. Who knows Abraham in the Bible? Oh, man, I love Abraham. The Lord told Abraham that he was going to have descendants that were so many you couldn't even count them. But Abraham was an old, old, old man. I can say that because he was older than anybody in here. So we can say he was an old, old, old man. And the Lord came to him and said, you're going to have, you're going to have so many descendants that they can't even be counted. And a couple of times he said, they're going to be more than the sands on the shore. And then one time he took him outside and said, look up at the stars in the sky. And he said, try and count those. You can't. And that's how many descendants you're going to have, as many as are in the sky. And he was an old man when this was promised to him. And so finally, Abraham has a son. The Bible calls him the son of his promise. And when the boy gets old enough, the Lord tells Abraham to go out and sacrifice his one and only son. And so Abraham packs up his son, Isaac, and they go away to go sacrifice something on the mountain. And, and Isaac doesn't know what's being sacrificed, and the servants don't know what's being sacrificed. Only Abraham knows what is about to be sacrificed. And they pack up the camels, and they go on this journey, and Abraham has all the wood ready for the fire to burn this sacrifice. And they go up the mountain, and Isaac says, Lord, like, or his dad, like, you know, we've got everything for a sacrifice. We have, um, you know, the wood to burn stuff with, but we don't have anything to actually sacrifice. And Abraham says, don't worry about it. This is my own paraphrase. He says, don't worry about it. The Lord will provide. And while I'm standing here thinking about it, I just hear the Lord say, some of you need to realize that in your life, the Lord will provide in the midst of impossible circumstances. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what you're going through. But we've seen time and time again in the word of God where the Lord comes through over and over again in impossible ways, in impossible situations. Where no man can, where no person could, the Lord shows up and works on our behalf. Amen? Amen. So they get ready to go up this mountain. And... Uh, they start setting up the rocks for the sacrifice. They put the wood down there to get ready to light the thing. And the Bible just skims over this. doesn't say much about it. It just says that, that Abraham laid Isaac on the altar. I guess Isaac was just a willing participant. And he just lays him down on the altar. And the Bible says that when Abraham gets his hand in the air, ready to sacrifice his son. Well, nobody's talking to you, Siri, so be quiet. He gets his hand in the air, ready to sacrifice his son. And the Lord says, wait, stop. And they stop and they look. And in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, he, see, he looks over a few verses before this. He looks over and he sees a ram caught in the thickets. He sees the angel says, I trust you. I believe now that you were going to do what I said to do. You don't have to sacrifice your son. And he looks over and he sees a ram stuck by its horns in the bushes. And then Abraham says this. He says, Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. We say Jehovah Jireh. Listen, the kingdom of heaven, the economy of heaven is built on generosity. God's name is your provider. Come on now. He is in your life. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides for you. He wants to provide for you. He wants you to know him as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides for you. Revenue Canada is not Jehovah Jireh to you. 
7-Eleven is not Jehovah Jireh for you. RCMP, GRC is not Jehovah Jireh to you. The medical system is not Jehovah Jireh to you. The welfare system is not Jehovah Jireh. Whatever you do, whatever you can think of, wherever you get your money, that is not your Jireh. That is not your provider. He is your provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. Now listen, does he use your job? Of course he can use your job, but he's not limited to your job. And that's the difference. A lot of us think this is my only shot. This is my only place where I can get this from. And that ain't the truth. The truth is he can use it, but he can also use a ram stuck by its head in some bushes when you put your faith and your trust in him. So we see that generosity and selflessness is the culture of the kingdom of God, and that means that you've got to change your culture. You've got to change yourself. You've got to become generous. You've got to become selfless. That means sometimes when you're sitting at a stoplight and there's somebody there begging for some money and your first instinct is to say, I'm not giving that guy money. I don't know what he's going to do with it. He's probably got more money than me anyways. He's probably a professional beggar and he's probably got a nicer house than I do and, you know, he doesn't need my money and look at, look at his shoes he's wearing. I know that guy's not homeless. Look at his shoes he's wearing. You have all these thoughts running in your head. Let me tell you this. Sometimes the best thing you can do is give that person some money because what it does is it works in your heart, opening your heart up so that you become a generous person living in the economy of heaven. I want to look at one more scripture here. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. I love this passage of scripture. Proverbs 11, we're going to look in verse 24 and 25. The kingdom of God, the economy of heaven is in a generous economy. The Bible says that you are blessed to be a... Three people knew that. In case you didn't know that, the word of God says in Genesis chapter 12, I believe, you are blessed to be a blessing. You are called to be a blessing to people. You are called to be something that people see in their life as a blessing, not as a curse. Come on now. Proverbs chapter 11 we're going to. Did you, did you find it? Because I haven't found it yet. Did I say Proverbs 11? Proverbs 11, we're going to look in verse 24 and 25. I love this. We're going to read it in the New Living, and we're going to read it in the Passion Translation as well. If you don't have this scripture highlighted in your Bible, I highly recommend it. It says this, give freely and become completely broke. No, no, because the kingdom of God, the economy of heaven is counterculture to the world. And so when it tells you to save everything, the kingdom of God says, I want you to give things away. He says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Let's look at that in the Passion Translation. It's so good. It says, generosity brings prosperity, but withholding from charity brings poverty. Verse 25 says, those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them, and the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. Who wants to be saturated with favor in their life? Who wants God's goodness to be prevalent in their life? How do I do? I need God's favor saturating my life. We had a friend who'd say it this way. She, I heard her talk about this verse one time, and she said this. She said, you know, here's the thing. A hose always gets wet. 
A hose is a conduit, and we are meant to be conduits of the goodness of God, of the blessing of God. You, took, you take a hose, you hook it up to the wall, and it fills up with water, right? But the water just passes through it. It doesn't store up there. It doesn't, like, have its own storehouse of water. It goes right through it, and it goes to other things. It goes to bring life to plants and to grass and to wash your car and to all these different things. It travels through the hose. But here's the thing. The hose, in being the conduit, it always gets wet itself, doesn't it? And that's how we're meant to be as well. In the kingdom of God, you are meant to be a conduit of God's blessing and God's favor where he brings things into your life and they are meant to pass through you. They're not meant for you to store them up and say, oh man, God is so good at me. Look at me, I'm just like Scrooge McDuck. I'm gonna go dive into my gold coins. Do you know who Scrooge McDuck is? That was for you, Mike. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. That's what you're called to do. You're called to be a blessing. You're called to be a conduit. So the first thing, I'm going to say this one more time. We're running out of time here. Is that you have to have an understanding uh, that the kingdom of heaven is built on generosity and selflessness. This is how you begin to move from the kingdom of this world, the economy of this world, into the economy of heaven. You quit relying on the economy of the world. You say, I'm moving to the economy of heaven. I'm moving to the way that God does things. And that means in my life, I've got to make a shift in my mind, in my heart where once I was selfish and now I'm selfless where once I was stingy and now I am generous come on now all right the second thing you need to know this you need to have an understanding that your heart and your treasure are intricately linked together Matthew chapter 6 let's go back there we looked at this last week together but I want to look at this together Matthew chapter 6 and we're going to look in verse 21 Jesus has just been talking, and he talks, and he says, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, store up your treasure in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and where there's no thieves to break in and steal. And everybody said, amen, I'm glad when we get to heaven, there ain't no thieves in heaven. And then he says this. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. This means this. We talked a little bit about this last week, but it means that your treasure has to be transformed because you can't store the same treasures in heaven that you try and store on earth. Actually, that's what the pharaohs in Egypt used to do. They used to, when they would die, they would collect all these treasures through their lifetime on earth, right? They would store all these things. They have all kinds of gold and all kinds of crazy stuff. And then when they died, they were buried with all these things because they wanted to take them with them into the afterlife. But guess what? Shocker, it doesn't go with you. And so when Jesus is talking here, he says, don't store up this stuff on heaven. Store up your treasures, or don't store up your treasures on earth. Store up your treasures in heaven. But when he's saying that, what he's saying is, you've got to change what you treasure. Because, sorry, you don't get to take your favorite car to heaven with you. You don't get to drive on those, those streets paved with gold in your fancy 1994 Miata, as much as we all want to. It's a luxury car of choice, guys. I don't know what you're planning on driving, but a Miata is where it's at. Six foot three, driving a Miata? Hmm, that's what, Jen likes that, don't you? When I, yeah, okay, whatever. We'll just leave that there. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. I may have bought one already. You don't know. It means for you to move from the economy of heaven, or to move from the economy of the earth, the economy of this world, 
to move to heaven, you've got to change what you treasure, what your goals is, what your mission is, what your thoughts and your plans, the things that you're looking at as your goal and your standard, the thing you're trying to achieve. You've got to change what your treasure is. And your treasure needs to be eternal. Your treasure needs to be things that the Lord values. Your treasure needs to become uh, kingdom things. Can we say it that way? That's what your treasure needs to be. You've got to change. And here's, here's a side thought. You won't ever move into the economy of heaven until you begin to see the value in the things that you can store in heaven. Meaning, you won't move there until you realize and you believe that things that are eternal have the real value versus the things of this world that have value. You've got to say, this is greater than this. Souls being saved is greater than the house I live in. People being set free and restored is more important and brings about more good and is more the point of me being here than my fancy RV and my jet ski and my quads and not like my leg quads, my quads you can ride. You know, the things that last forever are what matter. Am I alone up in here? Because guys, listen, we're moving on up to the, to the heaven side. Can I get on the worship team now? I can write lyrics. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Kingdom of heaven is built on selflessness and generosity. The kingdom of heaven is a, is a kingdom where the eternal is what valued versus the material. The things that, that rust away, the things that you store up here, those are great things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching against those things. Have, have nice things. Allow the Lord to bless you. The Bible says that God wants to bless you. He delights in the prosperity of his people, the word of God says. That's okay. What I'm trying to say is let's not rely solely on this system of living. Let's realize there's more for us that God is wanting to do more in you and through you than you could ever do yourself. And it comes by trusting in him and his kingdom and his dominion. That was like my boxer dance. I was getting ready to box. You know how boxers, when they stand in the ring, they don't just stand there? All right. Third thing I want to tell you is this. So first thing, moving from the kingdom of heaven, is you got to have an understanding. you got to understand it. And when I say you have to have understanding... You have to have an understanding that brings revelation. You have to have an understanding that moves you to action, right? I think I mentioned this at the very beginning. We were talking about something, and I just made a passing comment that faith requires action, and faith does require action. So from you to move from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of heaven requires you to do something requires you to put your faith, your hope, and trust in God. It required Abraham to take the son of his promise out on that mountain and get ready to sacrifice him. It required God to send down his one and only, his very, very special one and only son to sacrifice him for you and me. And if it required those people, if it required him to do those things, it's going to require some action out of each and every one of us. If you were going to move houses, naturally, it requires action on your part. You got to understand, you got to have revelation that moves you, that the kingdom of heaven is built on generosity and selfishness. You have to know, uh, you have to have understanding that your heart, inside your heart, 
that your heart and your treasure are connected together. And that means for you and for me and for all of us, we have to change what our true treasures are, okay? Third thing I want to tell you is this. You've got to take the plunge, trust God, and take him at his word. And that's called faith. You've got to trust God, take him at his word, and take the plunge. Open your Bibles with me in Malachi chapter 3. We're going to read this together. Part of the way, one of the big ways that you move into the kingdom of God, into the economy of heaven, is through giving. Giving, giving your time, giving your money, giving to church, giving to others. It requires selflessness. It requires generosity. We serve a generous God, and we should be known as being generous people. If he is our father, then we are meant to be just like him, right? That's how, that's how it works. Like, Josiah is like me. Sydney is like me. They're like us. Me and Jen, our kids are like us. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. So everybody can look around from generation to generation, and it looks the same. So if God is our Father, we are meant to be like him in nature and in deed. So if we serve a generous God, we're called to be generous people. And through that generosity, God turns around and blesses us in return. Because God delights, God wants to see his people not broken, busted, living destitute. God wants to see his people thriving. Malachi chapter 3. I want to read this to you. Once I get there myself. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And uh, then there was 400 years of silence when the Lord didn't speak to anybody. And Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 is where we're going to start. And this is a passage of scripture on what is called tithing. And, and maybe some of you don't even know what tithing is. Tithing means 10%. That's what the word tithe means. It means 10%, a tenth. And the Lord set up tithing in the Old Testament. And his desire was, was that his children, his people would take 10% of whatever came into their lives and use it and invest it into the kingdom of God so that the work of the ministry could continue. That's what tithing is for. And so God said, you're supposed to tithe so that the work of the ministry, the work of the kingdom can continue. And so here he talks about what happens when you trust God in your finances. Here in this passage of scripture, the Lord talks about what happens when you tithe and give to God. And it's fantastic. It's important to know. So Malachi chapter 3, it starts off, we're going to look here in verse 6. This is a great, great, great line to start with. He says, I am the Lord and I do not change. Listen, God doesn't change. He is the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he is the same forever. So he says again here, I'm the Lord and I don't change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you've scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now, he says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return to you when we've never gone away? And God says in verse 8, should people cheat God. The New King James says, rob him. 
And it says, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you, God? When did we ever cheat you? And he says this, you have cheated me in tithes and offerings that are due to me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Then he says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be food enough in my temple. If you do, okay? Everybody say, if you do. do. So God is telling his people, if you bring your tithes into the storehouse, this is what I'm going to do for you. Who wants to hear what God's gonna do for you when you trust God in your finances? I don't know about you, but I need the Lord to move in my finances. I need God to work in my life. I need to not be able to trust the economy of this world. I need to have my trust solely, squarely on him. We trust him in so many other areas. You've heard me say this a hundred times, if not once, but we gotta trust him completely in every area of our life. You don't get to pick and choose. Well, I guess you can. It's just not very smart. We shouldn't pick and choose which area we trust God in we got to trust him completely. Right? Trust him wholly. So he says this, If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, if you do bring your tithes into the storehouse, this is what I'll do. I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Who could use some of that in their life? Mm-hmm, Okay. That's good, I'm not alone. He says, try it. Put me to the test, God says. He says, if you don't believe me, try it. Put me to the test. Let me show you, God says, what'll happen if you begin to trust me in your finances. If you begin to take this first 10% of your finances and give it to me, he says, watch and see what I'll do. Put me to the test. Try it out, he says. He says, put me to the test. Uh, Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So in this passage of scripture, we see that when God says, if you trust me in your finances and you bring your tithe into the storehouse, and this may be a foreign concept for some of you, but I want to tell you today that God wants to work in your finances. God wants to work in your money. God wants to work in your life. And what it requires is some faith and some action on your part. And as you begin to reach out and trust God in this area of your life, he says, watch what I'll do. Let me work on your behalf. Let me work for you. Let me show you what I want to do in your life. He says, if you'll do this, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour a blessing so great upon you that you won't have room enough to hold it. Sydney, that's a big, that's a big blessing. So great that you won't have room enough to hold it. He says, you will have abundant crops because God will guard them from bugs and diseases. Who needs God to look out for their things in their life so they don't have bugs and diseases, so that things don't break down on them, so they're not broken, destitute? Does anybody need God to watch out for their things? And rebuke, the new King James says, that he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. The devourer is the enemy. And the Bible says, the new King James says, that God will rebuke him. So when you give God your finances, when you trust God solely, God says, I'm going to work in your life. And I'm going to rebuke the devourer. What does it mean to rebuke? It means get out of here. You can't come here. 
You can't stay here. You have no right here. You have no authority here. You've got to go. And the devourer says, well, why do I have to go? Why? Who says I have to go? And the Lord says, I say you got to go because these people are trusting me in their finances. They have given me their 10%. And I've told them if they will give me their 10%, that I'll work on their behalf and I'll rebuke you. So hit the road, Jack. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. The word of God is always true. Listen, don't, don't be mad at me. I didn't make this stuff up. I, didn't say, I, I don't go home and like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to write a book of the Bible. I'm going to call it Malachi. I'm going to write down my thoughts in here. This is mm, penned by Jacob in the year 2022. I didn't write this. The Lord wrote this. Yeah, and we're going to preach the truth no matter, no matter what y'all look like. Just like my grandpa used to say, when I'd get in trouble when I was a kid, my grandpa would say, well, it's fine. He'd say, you can get glad in the same drawers you got mad in. And that's just a southern expression, meaning you can get happy right now. In the same pants you're wearing, drawers or pants. My grandpa wasn't talking about me being in a drawer, a dresser drawer. He was talking about my pants. And he said, you can get glad in the same drawers you got mad in. Meaning, just fix it. Just get over it. So we're going to preach the truth. And we're going to get glad in the same drawers we got mad in. Sometimes, sometimes the Lord's got to make you mad. Sometimes the Lord's got to push those buttons because he wants to get something to you. He's trying to open our eyes to the truth. Listen, guys, the reason I am preaching this, the reason we're talking about this, because I don't know if you know or not, but things are not going so swell out there. It's not, it's not awesome days. I mean, like, way back in the day, things were great, and there was money for everybody, and jobs were easy to come by, and interest rates were low, and gas was cheap. We were, I, <laughs> we got gas yesterday. <laughs> I got gas yesterday, and I put, I drive a Honda Civic, okay? And I put $50 of gas in, and it gave me three quarters of a tank of gas. And I got in the car, I said, isn't it crazy how I'm, like, a little bit excited that 50 bucks gave me three quarters of a tank of gas? Things are not like, I don't, I, I, it's weird. It's weird. And it's just going to keep getting weirder and it's going to keep getting harder. And if you don't know how to trust God in every area of your life, you will be sunk because the government ain't going to help you. The days of that are coming to an end quick, fast, and in a hurry. So there's got to be something else. You've got to learn. Guys, you're young. You've got your whole life. You're going to have to go through a whole lot more stuff than I've had to go through because you're so much younger than me. And when you're my age, you're going to have to know, and maybe like in five years, you're going to have to know how on your very own to trust God so that God works in your life for you so you know what the Word of God says. So when the world is falling apart around you, you don't just say, oh, man, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I guess I'll go to the bank and get a loan. But by then, interest rates on loans are 37% or who knows what. You've got to learn to have your faith in Jesus. I'm teaching you this because it's a principle found in the word of God where God says, I want the best for you, not the last. I don't want you broken. I want you having more than enough. And if you will trust me in every area of your life, you'll see what I can do for you. So with all that said, we're going to take up an offering now. Because I want to give you a chance to act on what you just heard. I want to give you a chance to put your faith into action. And here's the thing. Listen, 
I, I believe in tithing. I believe tithing is the word of God. I believe we are called to tithe. And God, there is a blessing. There is a, there is a covenant that is attached to tithing. And so I tithe. I give the first 10% of my income. I give before the government gets its money. I give whatever my paycheck is, whatever money comes into me, I give that to the Lord. Right? And then the government comes off, and then I pay my bills, but I give the first fruits, the Bible calls it, to the Lord. Uh, but listen, I want to give everybody here a chance to participate in an offering. And it doesn't have to be, it has to be, here's the thing, it's got to be whatever the Lord tells you to do. That's what it has to be. Right? We all know the story of the, of the widow and her might where she sat. The, Jesus, the Bible talks about how Jesus was at the temple, and he went and sat down. And the Bible says that he watched how everybody came in and gave. Wouldn't you love Jesus to sit there and watch in the temple and watch how you gave your money? The Bible says he watched how they gave. And then this, this widow came in and she gave her two mites, like two pennies, like super, super low amount. And the Bible says there was all these other people that had come in and they had given a ton of money. And then Jesus says, this woman with these two mites gave more than everybody else put in because she was giving out of her heart, out of her generosity. She was giving what the Lord required of her. So it's not about dollars and cents. It's not about who puts in the biggest amount. It's about you putting faith and trust and hope in Jesus Christ and watching him work in your life. When I pay my tithe every week, what I'm saying to Jesus is I belong to you. What I'm saying to Jesus is I trust you. What I'm saying to Jesus is that I understand that I am your child and you are my father. What I'm saying is that your ways are higher and your ways are greater. You know, the first act of worship in the Bible was in the book of Genesis with Melchizedek. And what did he do? He gave the tithe. See, we're singing songs of worship and we think that's what worship is. Worship is our everyday life belonging to Jesus Christ. And if we don't preach on these kinds of things, we're not giving you the whole truth. And we are a church that believes in the whole Bible. We are a church that belongs to Jesus. Amen. We believe in the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Amen. So we're going to take up an offering. And so I've asked, um, usually you know how we take up our offerings. Usually the debit credit machine is at the back. And we just say, hey, you can give using the debit credit machine. Uh, you can use our app to e-transfer. But today I wanted to give everybody a chance to participate in the offering. So we got some ushers that are gonna pass out some offering envelopes. If you want an offering envelope, offering envelopes, you're like, what is an offering envelope? Uh, offering envelope is this. It's, a, it's an envelope that you put your offering in and then it enables us to give you a tax receipt at the end of the year for it. That's what an offering envelope is. Um, so if you wanna keep record of your giving, you can use that. If you want one, just put your hand up. These guys will give it to you. Uh, the worship team is gonna come up. We're gonna sing a song and these guys are gonna pass the basket. Now I encourage you, if you participate in this offering, which I encourage everybody to participate in some way in this offering, okay, you can use the debit credit machine, you can use the app, do whatever you need to do. I encourage you to participate. And now when you do, don't just pay a bill. We're not paying a bill. We're putting, this is like Pastor Jenny was saying, this is us putting our hope and our trust in Jesus, saying, God, I put you above everything else in my life. I say you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And I don't know about you, but I need some Jehovah Jireh in my life. And so what this is, is putting God first in every area. This is us trusting in God and saying, I put my hope in you. So we're gonna take a second. If you need to fill out these offering envelopes, you can fill them out. These guys are gonna sing a song. And then in a minute, these guys are gonna pass the baskets. 
and you can put your offering in there. And when you put your offering in there, you know, you just say, Jesus, I trust you. I'm putting my hope in you. God, I know that you wanna be Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides in my life. And maybe think about what you need God to provide you for. God likes to know how he can meet your needs. Sometimes you just need to say, I got this need, I got this bill, I got this car that's broken, I got this I gotta pay for, I got this I gotta do, but I'm trusting you. And by this act of faith and giving this to you, God, I know, I know that I know that I know that you are going to work on my behalf. Amen? I'm gonna pray for us all together. So before I pray, I want you to think about what you're believing God for, what you're trusting God for, and the seed that you've sown, what you're trusting God for in your life. And I'm gonna pray for all of us together. So Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that we're putting you first in our life in every area. And God, we know that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And so Father, I thank you right now that as we put our hope, as we put our trust, our trust and our faith in you, God, that we know that you are working on our behalf. Father, you've said that if we bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that you would open a window of heaven so great upon us that we wouldn't have room enough to hold it and that you would rebuke the devourer for our sake. So Father, we thank you that you are actively working on our behalf to stop the enemy in his tracks so that he can't bring destruction and death into our life, Father. God, we thank you that you are our one true source, that you're not just Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides in our finances but you provide in every area of our life, spirit, soul, and body. God, we trust you completely. We put our hopes squarely on you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, amen, amen. Before we go, one last thought. You know, this covenant that he makes in Malachi chapter three is the only time the Lord says, try me, try me, try me. Let me prove it to you. This is not about getting anything from anybody. This is about the Lord wanting to get things to you. This is about the Lord wanting to work in your life. And so I encourage you, maybe you've never, you've never practiced tithing. Maybe you've never practiced giving. I wanna challenge you today to begin to step into this and begin to see what God will do in your life if you trust him in every area. Watch and see what he'll do. He said, try me, let me prove it to you. Then that's when you say, okay, I'm gonna try it. You prove yourself to me. You show me that this works. You show me that you're true. I encourage you to put him to the test. Put him to the test. He said it. He said, put me to the test. So put him to the test and watch and see what he'll do in your life. Amen? All right, if you need prayer for anything, we've got people that'll meet you right down here in the middle. They're gonna pray. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that His Spirit, His love, and His life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.